in this day and age, with so much paper still being used in the healthcare system, providing quality care can feel like finding a needle in a haystack. Staff and patients are juggling stacks of paper records, costing everyone precious time, the system lots of money, and potentially compromising patient safety. What does this pathway look like to a transition from this paper-based maze to a seamlessly integrated digital care record? With me today on Talking Health Tech, I'm joined by Kerry Campbell, Clinical Director for Australia and New Zealand at Orion Health. And in this episode, we talk about the good, the bad and the ugly of digital care records in the hospital landscape across Australia and New Zealand. How do we ensure that digital care records align with clinical workflows and eliminate workarounds? And how will we actually finally get rid of all this paper from the healthcare system? Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode, or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. G'day, Kerry. How are you going? Oh, great. Thank you. Good to have you on the show and looking forward to catching up with you in a few weeks in person in in New Zealand, actually. But important Mm -hmm. that we have this conversation now virtually. Firstly, uh, by setting the scene, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, So registered nurse. From New Zealand, you can probably tell from behind me there. I like the and placement of the map behind you for the video, those on video. So, um, very, very strategic. Okay. Nice. No, it, it did happen to be there. I did not place that. <laughs> yeah, I've been a nurse um, in New Zealand for, I hate to say it, 30 years. And it was only in the last year I've actually moved into a health tech role, but as a registered nurse. And so, my previous role in a private surgical area was I developed and led the implementation of an electronic patient record through a number of hospitals across the country. So, you know, I'm now in this role to really spread the love and help others do that because it's really hard. Mm. I have to admit, it's tough. I think unless you've done the the doing, um, I don't think you you fully appreciate what what that implementation is looks like. And when you say it's tough for, say, any hospital in implementing an electronic medical record or electronic patient record, maybe before we dive into why it's tough, one might think coming from outside of the healthcare system, having a conversation about whether we should or when we should implement an electronic patient record is kind of something we should have had a conversation about 20 or 30 years ago. So are we kind of talking about the last couple of percent, like last couple of stragglers of hospitals that haven't implemented something like this? Or is this, you know, are are you finding from your conversations that there's a lot more still using paper out and about? Yeah, you know, we can say it should have been done ages ago, just like banking and all of those things. But health is really hard. It is specific with the health information because it is personal health information. Mm. So, you know, that makes it tougher as well. 
And you would think that all hospitals should have moved to this and should be doing this now. And there is a lot that is electronic, mainly billing, invoicing, mm. um, bookings, appointments, all of that. So most hospitals in Australia and New Zealand have that sort of system. Many, many do not have the clinical information systems. Oh, right. um, yeah. So, and, you know, and then a lot do have um, the viewing. So in public hospitals, they might have a lot of um, electronic clinical data that they can view. But it's actually when you get to the doing, when you're getting to the nurses and the doctors standing with the patients and documenting the care or the plan of care, they are still using pen and paper. Yeah, right. And and that's yeah. that can, I could only imagine, would fall under the radar of a lot of, um, uh, I guess, at, at people at a senior level who might not be feeling that on a, on a day-to-day when, yes, we have an electronic system that's tracking all the, the, the metrics that might kind of land on a PL or be reported on uh in, in from it from a business point of view but that all the important stuff that ensures that patient care is delivered effectively and that uh, what's actually happening with patients you know I, I've seen it myself even in Australia only only um visiting with three kids you you occasionally do visit uh, an ED and uh and yeah. most of that was was done on on paper in terms of the actual clinical component as opposed to um being electronically yes so that's um still a lot of work to be done there is i mean there are places that do great work don't get me wrong absolutely um but there is a whole lot more to mm. be done and so if we're at this point where it's like well we haven't really done it and it's like oh that'd be a nice to do perhaps it's it's um i get the sense from yourself and the passion in 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 you know how you talk about this and from your own experiences of implementing them too it's probably mm. a little bit more than a a nice to have um in terms of moving all, all these little bits of paper, you know, digitally. For those that aren't convinced, tell me a little bit more about the the why. Like, because there's, as you mentioned, it, it is hard. And the, uh, if it wasn't hard, it would have all been done by now. Like, what are we actually yeah. working for here? What's the, what's all the benefits? There, there's many, there's many. And I know it's interesting, isn't it? Because you talk about being in the industry and being out of the yeah. industry. For, um, for me as a nurse who's been around for a long, long time, um, it seems to be a no-brainer. And so I think, why can people not understand this? Um, and interestingly, even in my profession, there are people who say, oh, it's quicker on paper, so I want to keep doing yeah. it on paper. And interestingly, even just last week, I was speaking to someone who, they, they weren't anti or anything, but they said, oh, it is quicker on paper, and we ch- get challenged from our, our colleagues around that. And I say, yes, it might be, but you scribble on paper, A, is it legible? Yeah. B, then the person reading that has to have that piece of paper, but they might be in the other room, in another hospital, somewhere else. And so it's not accessible, easily accessible to other people. Um, and just actually looking at the picture of New Zealand, um, you know, people are transportable and people move now. Okay, we're over COVID, we are moving around mm. again now. So if myself and Hamilton was down in Christchurch and needed healthcare, the health professionals down there could not access my data and we're a small country so it's it's that sort of um, importance as well the talking health tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years all based on audience feedback now i need your help yes you to shape the future of this show between now and the end of june we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick 
Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. It's kind of like you need, you, you, it sounds obvious to say, but obviously a lot harder to, to, to do than just say. And you're right in that from the from an individual person's perspective, there may be an additional workload that's taken on, but across the broader system, uh, there's there's much more benefits. And I guess that's why having clinician engagement in implementing some of these solutions is going to be critical because you don't, if there was a particular role that I wanted to lump more work onto in a, in a hospital setting, it probably wouldn't be the nurses to be completely honest. I'm sure you'll agree with me. Like, how do you kind of balance this whole, well, you know, maybe it's going to be extra work for the for the frontline um, staff to move from, or, or at least perceived to be, more work um, to move yeah. from paper to digital. How do you kind of you you've implemented these things? How do you go about that? Yeah, and you are exactly right. It is more work and. up front and at the beginning. Um, and we we talked about it because you've got to learn the system. Interestingly, when we were um, going around the country and talking to nurses, they said, oh, how am I going to find my way around the screen and these tabs and these, these, you know, this list? And I said, how did you do that with paper? Because going from one hospital to another, they had to orient themselves to the new paper record because people store yeah. things in different places. So they went, oh, yeah, that's right. And once they started getting to, to use it and getting the patterns, that was easier. So that slowness, you know, over time with using it, that sped up. Also, we did know that at the beginning of a patient admission, it may be that more work goes up front so that there's savings at the end. So an example of that is more information going in on admission and through that. But then when the nurse goes to, or doctor goes to do the discharge summary, a whole lot of that information's already there. It's already pre-populated and not having to start from scratch. So it's about that mm. um, balance. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like yeah. taking a, um, uh, a zoomed out view a little bit in terms of at this particular step in the workflow, potentially there's, you know, more time spent on these particular steps right now because they're new. But then if you then zoom out a little bit and look at the bigger picture, it then opens up all these extra possibilities too when you're thinking about capacity. If, you know, to the point you made before, yeah. if stuff's written on, just th this particular piece of paper, only you holding this piece of paper can can do something with it as soon as it's in a system. When we're in a healthcare system where in some areas we don't have enough doctors in the right areas, but we have enough doctors in other parts of the country, of, of either Australia or New Zealand that could assist, um, they're not going to be able to help if if it's all written down on a bit of paper. But if it's in a, in a system that connects, then um, 
we've got an opportunity there. And it helps that um, time of hunting and gathering. Nurses ah. do a lot of hunting and gathering around a hospital um, and for the chart as well. So, you know, and sometimes another clinician needs to use the chart, maybe in the office, and the nurse is with the patient and needs to do the vital signs. You know, they can both access it at the same yeah. time on different devices. Absolutely. I think about then, you know, for this stuff to work, uh, there's uh, on on one hand in a hospital setting, once you get the buy-in and you get the workflows right and you've got it at your healthcare system, for us to enjoy all those benefits of connectivity and data swooshing from, you know, a, a residence location, like from the the North Island to the South Island or whatever. See what I, I'm, I'm localizing this conversation here for, for you all the way over in New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> but the, for that to happen, we need all the infrastructure there as well. So how have you found that kind of process of, uh, you know, um, the, are we actually able to, once we do all that work, are we actually able to realize some of these benefits these days when we've still got all these challenges around infrastructure and interoperability? The answer is yes, but we need to have those conversations. We need to have those conversations across the country, across yeah. the sector, public, private, um, and get agreement and buy-in and work together. Um, so it can be done. Yeah. Technically, it can be done. A lot of times, the um, difficulties are cross-boundaries, um, different systems, um, different leaders. Um, and I think... It was shown very, very well in the South Island in Christchurch when when they hit the earthquakes. Um, the South Island in New Zealand is very joined up. They have a system that is used across the South Island, and they learnt this from the earthquake. We have to actually be able to talk to each other. So they have primary care, secondary care linking up. Primary care can see yeah. into the secondary care record. Um, and they've also opened that up to 170 aged care facilities as well. So, you know, it can be done. But it needs that leadership and yeah. the will. And I think sometimes as well with that, yeah. like, and, and that's absolutely right, to, 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 and to get that confidence and the, the buy-in and the leadership, sometimes we need some, some examples of, um, of, it, of it being done successfully before. So I guess that's why these, these conversations are really important to provide that inspiration or at least motivation to others that might be um, looking to you know, improve that extra couple of percent in terms of workflow by, by digitizing because that has those longer-term gains. I think about some of those other, you know, as, as um, we talk about clinicians or patients accessing information from, from different parts of the country and on different devices. Do you remember in like the, I'm pretty sure it was the early 2000s that we all got very excited about how everything in healthcare was going to be accessible on a tablet for some reason, like, you know, the big tablets that, were, that the doctors are going to walk around and use tablets. I don't yeah. think that totally happened, but what I do yeah. think that happened was that and, and I'm interested in your thoughts. It, uh, there's that shift to mobile as well. So, by by having this information, yep. you know, in in systems, it's not just accessible on on cows or wows or whatever we call them in hospitals. It's it's also on the devices in in pockets too. Absolutely, and and definitely in a hospital, we found that for nurses doing vital signs for patients because nurses walk they they don't sit at a desktop, right? And we initially did use. Mm -hmm workstations on wheels. We specifically called them wows and not cows. We didn't think that it would be really good for someone to say, I know a hospital that's named oh, them like 15. Daisy and, and Buttercup and stuff. Oh, right. It was one of, one of our ones, I'm, I'm sure there's not a, not, yeah, not a, not a yeah. unique thing. I want to bring back the cow, but anyway, sidetrack. Not unique. Yeah. Yes. 
yeah, we did sidetrack. Um, and we also had tablets. So we had um, tablets with the detachable keyboard so that they were more portable. We knew when we got to doing vital signs, which you the nurse does at the bedside, right, or chair side if the patient's in a chair, we needed something that the nurse always had. And you can't fit a tablet in your pocket. Um, I know some hospitals use mini iPads, but they did have to increase the size of the nurse's pockets to fit the mini iPads. And the nurses did find them a bit uncomfortable because it's quite, you know, we walk around a lot um, and they kept digging into them. So they'd take them out and then they wouldn't have them. So we were very, very clear it needed to be um, small form factor, needed to be mobile phone size um, because then a nurse can pick up the mobile phone in the morning at handover, um, has the patient record on the phone, pop it in their pocket. So if they happen to be in the patient room and they go, oh, I need to do the vital signs, mm, mm. guess what? It's in their pocket. They can do it in their pocket. Another real push for mobile, apart from the fact that everything in this whole world is going to small form factor, um, is that the medical specialists um, yeah, right. demanded it on their phone. You put it on our phone, we'll use it. Um, and we did, and now there's around 75 80% of the medical specialists who access and have signed up mm. to use the electronic patient record, <clears throat> and 75% of those who use yeah. it Interesting. access it on their mobile I, I, I can hear the ears of every CISO, yeah. like Chief Information Security Officer, prick up and go, oh, no, it's going to be you know information on devices. That means they're going to take photos on the camera rolls and send them on WhatsApp and, and do all the things and... and and they're important concerns to have around, you know, data security and privacy. Uh, and there's also this element of, of patients being okay with it too. There's something about a culture of, um, I remember at one point, you know, clinicians were a bit concerned about, and I'm generalizing, but concerned about whipping out a phone during a, a consultation or checking information. It's kind of like, well, you know, are you, are you checking Facebook while you're doing your consult with me? But how are you finding, you know, uh, are we addressing yeah. these issues around concerns of data security and privacy of information as well as that sentiment piece? Well, absolutely. Um, I'll talk about the bit first mm. around the patients. Um, and we came across that even prior to going to mobile phones to when nurses used the wows or cows, as you like to call them. They said, oh, but the cow gets in between me and the patient. And really all you have to do is turn it yeah. around and then right. join the patient into the conversation, <laughs> you know, and sit side by side. And what I found during the rollout, because I would go and sit with nurses doing their first admissions, doing their first discharge summaries, and in with the patients, the patients would be really excited to know that on admission, oh, yeah. I sent that information into you. You've got that. So they they felt confident from that. Um, certainly security, data security is a real issue, and the multi-factor or second-factor um, authentication is used for outside the hospital and then inside the hospital it's it's the privacy of the network and the nurses have um, organizational um, phones so the organization has purchased mm. them so they don't use their own devices medical specialists use their own devices um, but they have yeah. to use and, um, and the fact that they're to, using applications you know, that then store all the information that can only securely be accessed through through logging into that thing in the first place rather than storing stuff locally on their devices, that's all important stuff. So you don't want, you know, kids' Christmas photos next to your pictures yep. of a patient's lesions and stuff like this. So they're all important yep. issues that, that are being not. addressed, and I think they're important that we highlight them, but also there's yep. a lot of progress that's been done. 
Um, look, I, I'm excited to, to spend some time with you in person in your hometown in Hamilton, which is pretty cool, for uh, HINS Digital Healthcare Week. Yeah. I hear you might be um, not just attending but also up on a, a stage or two. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yes, I'm doing a couple of talks, actually. One about rolling out a, a, a electronic patient record because I know how yeah. hard it is and people go, oh, my God, we'll never be able to do that. In fact, we thought that too, you know, seven years ago, you know, how are we going to do this? This is too hard. Um, so that's a talk entitled Grit, the hidden mm. gem to success, because, boy, you need grit. You need passion, perseverance, and a real mindset to get this done. Um, also going to do a, a presentation around um, benefits realisation. Um, and, mm. you know, is it saving paper or is it saving lives? What's the real benefit of an electronic patient record? Um, and also um, Orion Health ha is running a breakfast around looking at the Canadian um, health system and the similarities with the New Zealand health system <clears throat> and the amazing things that they're doing in Canada with shared care records so that you can actually log in if you're in Christchurch and find Kerry Campbell. Um, and they've been doing that for 20 years. You mentioned 20 years before, Peter. They've been doing this for 20 years in Alberta. And Ontario, where um, a, there's a digital front door and um, consumers or people, the public, can log in and get health information. And it's omni-channel, so they can do a symptom checker. They can find where's yeah. the closest physio to me, um, can speak to a nurse, can yeah. have a chat, um, online chat with a health professional. So all these things are exciting and they're happening now. Mm. And it'd be great here in, in New Absolutely. Zealand and Australia. I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. And I will so, definitely be front and centre at, at all of those. I love that there's a, a session comparing Canada and New Zealand. I rather inappropriately sometimes refer to New Zealand as Australia's version of what Canada is to the US, where you guys do things much better than us. But And so we sometimes claim whatever you do, we claim as Australian. However, well, um, you, you are obviously. <laughs> so I forgot where I was going with that one. But it's a, I feel like that's going to be a really important conversation to have in, in this current climate. Yeah. So I'll be there. We'll yeah. be recording conversations We'd at ends as well for the Talking Offset podcast too. So Kerry, I really appreciate you making the time to have a chat on the yeah. podcast today and look forward to catching up with you in a few weeks at Hins. Thank you so much. It's been and a pleasure. Like, Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks. And I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.